Welcome to the Dream Living Podcast, the podcast for those who want to achieve phenomenal results in their life, career, and business. Now, here is your host, Angela Spears. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dream Living Podcast. This is Angela Spears, your host and Dream Living Coach, and always excited to bring you a new episode, especially bringing new guests. I have a brand new guest that I've invited to have a conversation. It's going to be a series of topics that we'll talk about, but I'll discuss that later. But first, I just want to talk a little bit about my special guest. Her name is Lisa Cambridge Mitchell. She is a personal development coach and leadership consultant who helps creative-minded professionals overcome stress and overwhelm to create joy in their personal lives and success and meaning in their professional lives. She has a company called Persist in Joy, and through this company, she guides clients through frustrations, blocks, and other discouragements, holding them back from achieving their definition of success Feelings, she says, she understands very well. I'll say just a little bit more about her and I'll let her introduce herself, but she's a graduate of University of Virginia and a certified IPEC Leadership Index Master Practitioner, another way of saying she's a great coach. And uh, she lives in Connecticut with her husband, young son, and very aloof rescue dog, Steph Carey. I love that name, Lisa. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. How are you? you? I'm great. Thank you. I am really great. I'm happy to see that the spring is coming through. So yes, I'm in my zone right now for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm definitely excited to have you as a guest. And as I was alluding to before, we're going to be covering a four part series. And today's topic of discussion is the trauma of being laid off. And before I get into the other three topics we'll discuss as a part of this series, this came about because I have coaching circles that I've discussed on a previous podcast episode where we bring people who are in a similar experience and they share their progress, what questions they have, and they utilize the peers, their peers in the group to help them through whatever questions they have. And most of these folks have been laid off. And I thought, well, I'm just learning a lot about what they're experiencing in this pandemic. And I thought it would be a great topic to discuss. So that will be our topic for today. The second episode will be getting unstuck and moving on in your career. The third part will be managing imposter syndrome during your job search. And the fourth will be ultimately navigating a career change. And we did talk about that subject last week, but we will discuss it from the perspective of someone who's been laid off. So make sure you stay tuned because we're going to be discussing some interesting things. So the trauma of being laid off. What are your thoughts about that, that topic initially, Lisa? Well, um, I want to say thank you for having me for one thing. This is something that um, I come up against with my clients quite frequently. And I love talking about it because, you know, there, there's that the, the, the saying how you do how you do something is how you do anything. So what I think is exciting about the topic is that it's 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 topical. And it also gives you the opportunity to, to um, transfer some of these skills into other areas of your life and really examine and, and examine yourself and create more awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, the trauma of being laid off, I can say firsthand, I have been there. I always say I am the proud recipient of a uh, three-time layoff experience. Mm. And 
<laughs> and, um, you know, and each time was different. Each time came with different emotions for me and different circumstances for the companies. Um, I think the main thing that uh, I, I always kind of want to encourage people to think about when they when they're going through this process, and it's a very difficult process for a lot of reasons, is that it is the same as mourning a loss. It's mourning a death. It's mourning um, something that is no longer. And when we're looking at it through that that prism, uh, it gives us the opportunity to understand that there are many of the same um, stages that you go through in grief with the loss of a loved one. You go through when you lose an aspect of yourself through, you know, a layoff. Um, Mm -hmm. You go through denial, you know, you go through anger, you go through just this high, these highs, these lows, you, um, uh, you know, you, you get into this kind of victim mode where you're essentially trying to figure out like, why, why did this happen? Like, how could this happen? And that's part of the shock. Um, But what I try to do with my clients is have them kind of create an amount of awareness, a certain amount of awareness around when they're experiencing those emotions and then channel them into an action and also um, in recognizing where they are, kind of meet themselves where they are. So if you need to lay in bed for a day or two or three or a week, that's that's perfectly reasonable in the circumstances. However, what I really encourage my clients not to do is to get lost in that um, feeling. So understanding that in creating the awareness, you're then able to make the choice to move forward in a different way. Mm-hmm. I love the part about channeling where you are into an action because it helps you think about the way forward to your point. So you're not stuck, right? I love that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, before I go to the next question, I do want you to shed a little bit more light on how you help others get unstuck. And so feel free to share more about yourself than what I shared in the introduction. Yeah. Um, so the way that I got to my practice, Persistent Joy, is I was stuck. I mean, that that kind of is, is at the heart of it. I was um, a 25-year executive in the music business. You know, I had the SVP title. I had all of the perks. I had the, you know, first five row, which was, that's kind of like code um, of among entertainment people. Like I could sit in the first five rows of an award show, you know, so you mm. really, you know, first five rows are basically the camera seats and then you can okay. get to the first 10, 15, 20, and then the rest of it, like who cares? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'd had a great career and there was always something missing. You know, I think um, looking back on it, I know that my personal goals had been um, put on hold, as I think a lot of women, particularly Black women, do. My personal goals were put to the side because I was absolutely all about achieving and being independent and being autonomous and being um, efficient and effective and all of these things that were very easy to point out in your career that you can just kind of get attached to that that create these patterns that ultimately can lead to success, but don't necessarily lead to um, feelings of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I had the success. The satisfaction was always a little bit elusive for me, to be honest. Um, there were times when I was incredibly satisfied, but because um, because I didn't necessarily uh, value the the trappings of the music business, right? So I really I had all the perks, but to be fair, I really didn't care that much about them hmm. um, outside of the money. Mm-hmm. That, I did, that I did care about because it gave me more <laughs> independence. Yes, um, but I did. I didn't. I never had that satisfaction. So it kind of reached a point 
looking back on it now, I didn't, I couldn't articulate it at the time, but it kind of reached a point where I was growing. And then my career, um, which this is a whole different topic, but my career kind of stagnated when I moved from working primarily for African-American companies and tastemakers into moving into like a more mainstream corporate environment. I felt that stall. Um, and then it just, it just kind of ate away that I was, I was unhappy, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I just didn't feel challenged. I felt underutilized. Um, I felt stuck and, uh, I was fortunate enough that, um, during the time that this was happening, um, I was having a challenge. I mean, and I say fortunate, as you see, I, I do try to look for the silver lining and things mm-hmm. that, um, I felt, uh, I was, I was in the middle of being, um, kind of transitioned into, a lesser role. So I still had my same title. I still had all of the same um, kind of out, outward appearance, but there was a position created above me. And in order to create that position, they took the executive part of my work. And so it was like the executive part of my work came, went up and then the person above me, some of the tasks that they didn't really want to do anymore came down. And that was how they created the position. Mm. And with that came a deeper sense of, of dissatisfaction, feeling underutilized. So I started acting out. I won't lie. I was not the easiest person for the, for my boss to work with at that time. I challenged him um, largely because I felt that he needed to be challenged, not just mm. out of, you know, out of any sort of resentment, but I felt that, you know, he deserved to be challenged if he was going to be in that role. And um, ultimately I was, they, they phased my role, my, my position out and I was laid off. So there we mm-hmm. go back to that topic. That's how we come full around. But the day that I was laid off, and I always think this is really important. The day that I was laid off, as I was walking through the the revolving doors, I touched the door and I said out loud, I have got to get out of here. Mm. Within two hours, I was packing a box. I was just happy. You you (laughs) couldn't tell me anything. Like people were coming to my office crying and I was like, whoa, that is not what this is about right now. Um, I was legitimately really happy, but when I got, once I got home, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's again, where the being stuck got in. So I wasn't going through the mourning process in the same way I did mourn to a degree, but you know, no one wants to be voted off the Island. Right. Um, But I was happily, you know, I, I was, I was voted off the Island and like skipped the whole way to the boat. Like, yeah, (laughs) just make, let me get on my, let me make sure I get my good seat. Like, so I was... I was like up there sitting next to the captain, like, when are we pulling out? Um, <laughs> but, but um, so what I do with my clients is, you know, what, I'm sorry, what I, let me go back. So once I, when I went through that experience, what it taught me, um, the now that, now in fairness, that was the last time in my career that I was laid off when that I intend to be laid off because I, I don't plan on going back to um, that a corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I love entrepreneurship and I love the flexibility and freedom that it offers and the stresses, you know, it is what it is. Sure. But, but what I, I learned by the time I got to that third layoff, I learned that I was in control of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I learned that, you know, I get to decide how I respond to it. I get to decide what I do with it. I get to decide. Now, this is the this is one of the key things. I don't only get to decide how I respond to it, but I get to actively process how I feel about it. 
mm-hmm. right? And connect that to what I'm feeling. Now, that that's the nuance in that is that people tend to focus on how they feel. So that's when you get into the anger and the resentment and things like that. Um, but what you really want to ask yourself is, what am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Right. And when mm-hmm. you get into the what I'm feeling, it's a little bit more vulnerable. Yes. That's when you start talking about the, you know, I feel abandoned. I feel, you know, some in some cases I've had clients say that they feel worthless. And um, one thing I say, and this is, you know, just in the scope of how we process this, I, I'm, I, take, I say this to anyone, whether they've been laid off or they're just in a position in a job that they don't want to be in, a relationship that they want don't want to be in. No one captured you in the wild and forced you into this situation. Mm. At some point, you made a decision that this situation worked for you. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You are equally empowered to make the decision that it no longer works for you. Mm -hmm. However, in the context of that, you also want to know why it doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you're looking for that you're not getting? You know, I think that... um, one of the things that I, I kind of work through with my clients when they're in this this phase in life is understanding what their big picture goals are versus their strategies. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a society, particularly again, women, we get this confused. We get this wrong. Um, I think that we focus on what we call our goals are actually not our goals. There are mm-hmm. strategies. Mm-hmm. You know, your goal isn't to have that job. Your goal is to have that emotional fulfillment, to have that that feeling of reward and success that you get from that job. Mm-hmm. But that is not the only place where you can achieve that. That's true. Mm-hmm. And and that's really hard. That's hard. we're not wired that way, especially, you know, as I said with women because we are um kind of acculturated to be of service. Right. That we look at the service as the reward and that's not, that's not the reward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You said a lot there and I'm, I'm, there's so many places we could go with what you said, but one thing I want to hone in on is like you said, first you said a lot of profound things. One thing you said was I get to see, I get to decide how I respond. I'm kind of taking the driver's seat. I am in control. And I think that's probably a perspective that can help with somebody who's been laid off. But you also made a point about what am I feeling and and acknowledging how you're feeling. And you also talked about those stages of grief. So I'd like to learn more about not only those stages of grief that, that people go through naturally when they lose a job or experience loss in general, but I'd also like to hear about when you process how you're feeling, how can you channel that into action? So maybe we start with what are those stages of grief that people might be feeling? And you touched on them. I just want to make sure we cover them all. And then we can talk about what am I feeling and how do you channel that into action? Absolutely. So um, I believe that, you know, in, in my experience, it's been that there are kind of three major stages that you have to experience. They're not necessarily experienced in any particular order, mm-hmm. but they are three, three cycles that um, you want to get through so that you can get to the meat and potatoes of what you're going to do next. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the, in no particular order, I'm, I'm going to kind of, I, I can walk you through the way that I process things now being laid off, you know, the, the way that I would couch this is that being laid off is a stressor. 
And the way that we, we react to stress is pretty consistent. So even though we're talking about it in the context of grief, you can take this model and apply it to the way that you respond to other things in your life that trigger stress, a stress reaction. So for me, my stress reaction, some people go straight to anger. Mm-hmm. My stress, my personal stress reaction is that I become, I go straight to victim, right? So my reaction, whenever I feel um, stressed out about something is always like, and I say that with no hesitation, it's always, I can't believe this is happening. Mm -hmm. That's my first. So that's my, that's my note to myself. Like now I have that reaction bookmarked. Mm -hmm. So when I feel myself go, Oh, now, so when applying this to what we're talking about, when people are laid off, um, you know, especially if it's unexpected in any way, shape or form, which generally it is, um, the immediate reaction is I can't believe this is happening. Like why me, why me over them? Mm -hmm. You know, what, why, why am I being the one again, voted off the Island? Like I didn't do anything wrong. I do great work. I've contributed. And you start kind of looking at your past, um, your past contributions to the team, to the company, mm-hmm. what you've done. And, and then, and then usually al- alongside that comes the feelings of um, dissatisfaction. So it becomes this case of like, why me? I've been, you know, putting up with this nonsense forever. Right. So <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Like I'm so the one, true. you know, that's like the automatic. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that victimhood space. Then there are some people who respond with anger, who are straight ready to fight and, and don't want to let go. Right. So I was, I was in my mind, I always imagine that being like the hand clenched space where you're just like, I am not letting this go. You're not going to kick me out. I'm going to go down fighting. I'm going to just like, I'm burning the building down with me, you know, (laughs) and like pun intended, pun definitely. (laughs) Um, And then, so those are the two, usually it's kind of the, the initial stages of grief around being laid off are a combination of those two, right? Okay. So it's, it's the shock, it's the anger, the frustration, the victimness, like all of that kind of comes through victimhood. I don't know if victimness is a word. Um, but then this is where you start feeling, when you start feeling yourself kind of reaching, emotionally reaching out of it is when you kind of start reaching for the um, let's call it justification, right? So mm-hmm. it becomes the like, well, you know what? It's fine. It's okay. And and that's that kind of, I, I like to think of that as like, that's the crack in the veneer of the morning, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to that place where you're maybe not accepting it, but you start kind of justifying and qualifying the experience and saying like, well, you know, it was time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. And you start kind of rationalizing, And when you get into that rationalizing space, that's when you're starting to kind of have a little bit more of an uplifting energy around it Mm -hmm. that you can kind of think of it as like a stepping, uh, I mean, a building block that it's that first block to step on, to pull you out of the, the morning part. Right. Yes. Makes sense. Right. And once you, when you, and when you get there, that's the place where you can do you can kind of go in one of two directions on any given day. You can drop back down into the, you know, anger and victimhood. Mm -hmm. And this is, I want to pause here and say, this is where I always caution people to be very mindful of who they reach out to um, in, 
you know, in this process of mourning, because, you know, the, there's a reason there's a saying called misery loves company. Mm. And when you start reaching out to other employees who are disgruntled, past employees who are disgruntled, people who coworkers who are going to kind of jump on your bandwagon of, you know, resentment, it's keeping you in the narrative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the reality is that there is, there's a cost to being kept in the n- narrative, particularly when we're talking about, you know, your livelihood, the amount of time you spend stuck in that narrative is time that you're not moving forward. You're not making money. Mm-hmm. You're not progressing. You're not taking care of your family. You're not taking care of yourself because if you're spending an hour a day, you know, on the phone or, you know, going out with people where that's the the heartbeat of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You're staying in the narrative. You're That's staying right. in the past and, right. and you're doing yourself no favors. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a really good friend, sadly, it was actually my best friend, sadly, he passed away. But one of the things that he brought to my life that I always appreciated was he, he used to say to me, you know, let's propagandize this. <laughs> he, would, he always told me, he, and he, I think he was right about this. He would always say, let's discuss this in the way that we feel, pe- we feel comfortable with other people repeating it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always thought that was so powerful because I'm not great about tooting my own horn. So he was kind of my, my, you know, my go-to if he was like, oh my gosh, you had a huge (laughs) accomplishment. Oh, I can't wait to tell everyone. Like that was his, (laughs) you know, that was like his role in my life. He was the town crier. But when I say that, what I mean is if you're going to invest your time and your energy into being broken, Mm -hmm. That's the message that's going to be carried out into the world by the people who are your ambassadors, Mm. right? So if you're going to spend your time and energy, you know, bouncing from phone call to phone call to phone call, complaining about how bad it was and and complaining about how they did you wrong, that's going to be the conversation that those people take to your circle, to their circle of influence. Wouldn't you feel so much better? to know that that wasn't the conversation. Wouldn't it feel so much better to know that the conversation out in your circle, in their circle of influence was, you know what? She's having a hard time, but she's doing great. Right. And this is what she, this is where she's focused right now. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting to hear more. I can't, I'm so excited for her. Yes. Because energy feeds energy. That's right. That's Um, so so good. Yeah, it's really, and it's, Mm -hmm. and I think when you can get to that place, that's where, that's where the opportunities can continue to happen. There's a reason that people get stuck. Mm -hmm. They get stuck because they're in the past. You only get stuck when you're living in the past, right? Because that means you're holding on to your impression of what might happen based on past activity, what life you were living. You know, I remember you and I had a, a different conversation about um, being someone being like, I want it. I want the job I had, I think was. Yes. Remember mm-hmm. that conversation? Yes. And, and it's like, well, you don't have it. So right. now what? So, so you, what was the feeling? And that goes back to um, the, the question of how, of understanding how you're, how you're feeling versus what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So what was the feeling that, that, what was it about that, that felt good? And what was it about that, that didn't feel good? Right. You know, that you don't want more of. Right. And where being laid off is an opportunity is it's an opportunity for you to to really start weeding out the things that you don't want in your career mm-hmm. and building more building more of building in more of the things that you want in your career. Love that. 
It's such a reframing there too. When you say that it's an opportunity to weed out what you didn't like and to bring in what you do like. And I think if people saw it as more of an opportunity that could help them to not stay stuck. Now, to your point, I think it's, we have to acknowledge that there is a period And I think you get to decide how long that period is where you're in the victim state or anger state or even justification state, which is kind of sounds like that's kind of your way of making sense of it and hopefully moving on. And I also love what you said about, wow, you get to decide how long you stay in there. Like, don't be mindful of who you'd speak to so that you're not talking to people who are pulling you back into the victim state or the anger state. Mm-hmm. Cause and you get to choose that, right? You get to choose who you talk to that, that help or don't help you navigate the situation. So you can move on. I love that. And I think it also applies to grief in general, because you and I spoke about this before we started recording where I lost my mom, you know, she passed away and the things that you're saying apply to me too. Like I get to decide how I navigate this. I get to decide who I talk to that helps to uplift me and help me helps me to move on or helps me to stay stuck. So I love this. Love, 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 love this. So my next question is, as you navigate those feelings that you so eloquently share with us, how do you navigate to action to your plan of action. And I also want to talk about it. We can pick which one you want to answer first. How long does it make sense to stay in this? Is there a certain time period you would say it takes to process this type of trauma? So maybe we start with that and then move on to the other question I asked. Oh, that's a great, that's a really great question. And it's, it's a great question because it's a difficult one to answer. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it depends on honestly, what your resources are, you know, if you have the money to sit around and be sad, <laughs> not have to worry about your bills, <laughs> then carry on. You know? Right. Have um, at it. Have at it, man. For, uh, more power to you. Um, but if you, I think it depends again, like, you know, not to make light of it, but it really does depend on what your, your life needs are at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on what your responsibility is in terms of friends and family. You know, I think, one of the difficult things about um, being, let's call it like mid to late career mm-hmm. is that you're usually tackling, you know, other life transitions. You're usually tackling, you know, maybe you have older children, maybe your relationship, you know, with your partner is kind of entering different, going through like different transformation, depending on how long you've been together. Um, you're also looking at, you know, what your financial responsibilities are. Um, I definitely suffered from and continue to suffer from that, that bag lady um, trope of like, I am still, you know, terrified that I'm going to end up a bag lady. Um, oh, no. no matter what I do, I still have that still sits in the back of my mind. In fact, I was wrestling with it a few days ago. And, <laughs> um, but what I will say is, uh, I think, I would say it's it's difficult to say how you put a time on it, mm-hmm. but what you can put on it is you can take an action every day that that kind of tests the waters and pulling you out of it, right? Mm. So when you start talking about shifting your emotions, um, getting out of the box, right? The boxes. I, I always say that when you're if you're spending too much time talking about the narrative, then you're in the box, and mm-hmm. it's sometimes you want to be in the box. That's okay, mm-hmm. but you want to know that you're in the box so that you can say, "Wait, I don't want this. Isn't I don't want to be stuck in this narrative right now." Right. right. So it's, I think it has a lot more to do with building the awareness around it 
mm-hmm. and being gentle with yourself when you're going through it. Um, something I hope that we, I don't know if we're going to talk about it today, but I hope that we get to talk about is what the cycle of change is, mm-hmm. because I think understanding that you're not going to wake up the next day with a plan mm-hmm. is, is really integral to understanding what you're going to do next. So, you know, when you start talking about the cycle of, of change, there is a point in that cycle where you're, um, you know, you're shuffling and trying to figure out what game you're going to play. You know, you're shuffling the cards. You're like, what am I going to play? What am I going to play? And that's a very natural part of this particular experience. And then you're going to deal out the cards and say, all right, this is the game I want to play. Let me try this and see how this goes. Um, but I think the the biggest uh, favor that you can do yourself is is to understand how to shift your emotions. Yes. So you want to um, you want to look for the and shifting the emotions. This is this is so important. A big part of shifting your emotions around things that send you into action is um, to focus on the benefit of the action versus the challenge of the action, right? So that goes back to the opportunity, focusing on the benefit of being laid off instead of the challenge of being laid off. Mm -hmm. Because when you start focusing on the challenge of being laid off, um, you just... You, you it, like the way that we are wired as human beings, we start processing it as something to be afraid of. Right. And that fear will guide you down a real slippery slope of poor decisions that will keep you stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about shifting your emotions, um, I would say in real time, it's something it's, it's music, it's laughter, you know, with everything going on in the world this year, there were quite a few times that I found myself just popping on, you know, and Netflix, like why, especially the Tiffany had, is she ready one? I would just right. pop it on for <laughs> minutes and just laugh. And it just, it just shifted my emotion. Right. Yes. So, you know, understanding what it takes to shift your emotion. Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's laughter. Sometimes it's volunteerism. When I was at my lowest, I was working when I still didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I was frustrated. I worked to help resettle two refugee families and nothing will, you know, shift your orientation than working with people who had to walk away from their entire lives with nothing but the clothes on their back. Right. And helping them figure out how to, you know, not only thrive in the United States, but go through the language barriers and the cultural barriers and everything Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big believer in volunteerism as a shift in energy. And, um, and of course, self-care is a huge, you know, there's huge opportunity there, whether it's exercise, stretching, meditation, and outdoor Mm -hmm. activity. And then last, but definitely not least professional therapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we we don't have to go through these things alone and we don't have to um, necessarily only rely on our community to pull us through. You know, mm-hmm. if, if professional help helps. Like, yes, it, really it does. I'm a witness. Yeah. Yes. So am I. I Absolutely. always say that the first time I went to my therapist, I was like, I've, I metaphorically felt like I was crawling. Her office was at the end of a long hallway. Mm-hmm. And I, and to this day, I say like, metaphorically, I felt like I was crawling from the elevator to her door across glass just to <gasps> oh. like get her to where when she opened the door, I could just hold her ankles. Like that oh. was how I felt when I went to therapy. Wow. Wow. You no. Know, yeah. Right. Like yeah. no one should have to, you don't have to go through life feeling no. like that. And that's when you know, it's, you, it's probably time to get some help because it's not, it's not good feeling that way. Right. No. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. life throws you 
a curveball that makes you feel a certain way and it's okay to get help. And I, I love that you mentioned therapy. I also love that you mentioned the other things, comic relief, exercise, self-care is important. And I think when we experience loss, whether it's from being laid off or in general, a lot of times we're not kind to ourselves and we forget about ourselves. We forget to take about care of ourselves and it's important. And if you don't, you can, you can stay in that. It's another example of how you can stay in that cycle because you're then you feel guilty. Well, I didn't take care of myself or I didn't work out today. Or I'm just, so, and exactly. then you're in the victimhood again. Right. Exactly. So it could just be a, a never ending ripple effect for lack of better words, just depending on how you manage this. And I'd love, you shared so many wonderful tips. This is amazing. And this is helping me as well. So So, I love this work. I have to say, I do. I really do. I can tell. I can tell you're really good at it as well. So um, curious about how you help clients. How have you helped clients through trauma being laid off or just in general? Ah, I love this question. Um, So, I mean, it goes right with what I just said. I love this work. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the the biggest thing that I try to do with my clients there, there, and I, and I, to be clear, like the majority of my clients are black women. So, Mm -hmm. um, and that is not, I, I'm, you know, I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe that's an accident, but it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily because those are the only clients that I have sought out. But what I find um, as a thread constantly, oh, is I have to remind them that there is no place in the universe that wants them to fail or play it small. Mm-hmm. You know, that there isn't a version, no matter what your spiritual belief is, no matter how you look at the world, there's no version of God. There's no version of the universe. There's no version of, of anything mm-hmm. that wants you to be small. Mm-hmm. So when you find yourself playing it small, push back, right? So what is it costing you, right? Yeah. So when we start going back to how do you shift and how do you start moving forward? Let's talk about what this is costing you. What is it costing you to stay stuck? Mm-hmm. Um, and what would be the benefit of being unstuck? And I'm a big, big, big lover. There are two, two things that I want to share that one is this idea of responding instead of reacting. So I work with a lot of my clients on, um, understanding how that that basically if your buttons get pushed, it's because they were already there. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. when you have, when you really get into these triggers and these, these, this, these places where your buttons are pushed and you feel stuck, you're essentially emotionally hijacked. Mm. So a big part of what I try to teach them is how to, how to break out of that. Right. So um, there's six things in particular I focus on. One is to just stop right? Mm -hmm. And when we go, let's go back to that idea of being in that victimhood space where you're making the phone calls and you're calling anyone and anyone, anyone who will listen, right? Mm -hmm. Stop, just stop, right? And that's hard, but stop. And then breathe. Mm -hmm. I am a big believer in a body scan. If you Google three minute body span, body scan, I think it's on like mindful.org. There is a great one that it's three minutes. And it just anchors you back within your soul. It, it, it creates an awareness and a consciousness that just calms you right down like you just had a massage. Oh, wow. Um, I love a, a three-minute body scan. I, I, I'm a big, I do them throughout the day when I start feeling overwhelmed. Um, the third, it, the third, third thing is to ask yourself, and this is going to be familiar from what we talked about, what am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Right? What was that? Like, what is that feeling? Mm-hmm. 
The fourth one is to ask yourself, what is the story that I'm telling myself right mm, now? Right. Good. So I work, spend a lot of time with um, my clients dismantling the story that they're telling themselves because there's a story that they either learned in their childhood or or through some key relationships or experiences that they've come to accept as a capital T truth mm-hmm. that's not true at all, right? So right. Um, we focus a lot on what's the story that you're telling yourself. Um, also, what else is going on, right? So where else is this coming up from for you? What other impact does this have, this, this kind of pattern have on your life? Um, what are these feelings? Like what, what else, what more, right? Uh, and I know you're familiar with this from your own practice. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time saying, say more. Oh, you know? yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Can <laughs> stick say deeper. More. I'd like to explore yeah. that a little further. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and then we get into, you know, how do I want to handle this? What do I want? Black women do not feel comfortable with what they want because mm-hmm. they've basically been told not to want anything because mm-hmm. it makes them aggressive and all of the other tropes that we know. You know, um, I'm a, I, I love having a session where um, a client breaks through with what they want. Mm-hmm. and feel empowered and have the space to say it, to own it, own it and to be comfortable with it and to know that it's like, this is what I want. Yes. Um, another exercise, this is something I am a big believer in this exercise that like, I pretty much will tell anyone who listens to do this. When you're going through this, um, I ask you to call and I, I do this with my clients. And I'm also just asking anyone who hears this, including you, my love, um, <laughs> I always ask, call three people who are, who are important in your life, like who, who means something to you, right? Not, mm-hmm. you know, not the people, it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no criteria to who they are, but three people. Call them and tell them that you need their participation in something mm-hmm. um, and ask them, please tell me how I inspire you. Mm. And then I, what the way that I phrase it, because this is what I actually had to do when I did this exercise, put your hand over your mouth, one hand over your mouth and sit on the other one and listen. Mm-hmm. It's not a dialogue between two people. <laughs> it's not a debate. It's not a time for you to tell them that they're crazy or to be, it's a space for you to listen until they run out of words. Oh, wow. I bet that's a powerful experience. It's extremely powerful experience. And, and not only that, when they're done, say thank you so much and hang up. And be done. This is not the beginning of the right. discussion. It is yeah. the only discussion. Okay. It is the, the reason, let me explain the reason I say to do this, particularly when you're going through something traumatic and, and this extends out in, into all areas of life, in my opinion. Um, what it allows you to do is see yourself through someone else's eyes during a time when you've maybe can't see yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And to see yourself through the eyes of people who, who care for you through your tribe, through the people who love you the most care for you the most are most protective of you. And that's what you get out of it. Mm -hmm. What the person who you calls get out of gets out of it is that they've never been asked to do that before. You know, people who care about you want to celebrate you. They absolutely want to celebrate you, but when, when in day-to-day life do we have an opportunity to do that? That's you know? true. Yes. Um, and it is a very, 
it's a very uh, powerful experience and you'll hear a thread. That's why I say three. I mean, three is just a number I like, but you mm-hmm. can do more. You definitely can't do less. Um, but what happens is you start to hear the thread and you start to identify with that thread and you start to see that you're more than what you think you are to the people who care for you and, and to yourself, like just things that you, you might not see. So I encourage everybody to do that. Um, I hope, I'm sorry. I feel like I just keep talking. No, this is good. (laughs) I feel like I'm getting a free coaching session out of this. (laughs) Listening to all of this. This is amazing. This is good stuff. So, um, I mean, I just feel like, again, we're having a conversation and I'm benefiting greatly from it. So thank you for being so transparent in what you're sharing. So this is great. And again, you can see if if you've been uh, listening to the whole thing, which I encourage you, strongly encourage you to do how Lisa helps people process through different types of trauma and what a great framework to take people through. So again, Lisa, this has been incredible. And uh, she's the person you want to go to if you're stuck and tell us more about who you help and how we can learn more about you and follow you. Sure. Um, So I will tell you my shortcoming is social media. I do use it more for personal than I do for professional, but I have, I am on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, which I think Mm -hmm. I do okay on. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Lisa Cambridge Mitchell and persistentjoy.com is my website. And I really, um, you know, I take private clients. I'm in the process of developing a few more workshops so that I can expand my practice beyond helping people one-on-one because I do think it's such a powerful message that I want to be able to deliver it a little bit louder and a little bit broader. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I am here. And I, I love, like, I'm, I have initial uh, consultations quite often, you know, we'll do kind of a quick fact finding um, call. And, and I'm also a big believer that if we have a conversation and I say, Hey, you know what? I think I know someone who may be even better for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not afraid of doing that. You know, I'm yes. not afraid of saying, hey, you know, I'm great. I know what I do, but I know somebody who, for what you're looking for, right. um, is also great. And I'm always happy to talk to anyone about coaching. Um, and I know that you you share this philosophy. And I have to say, full transparency, Angela was the person, whether, I don't know that she, I've said this to her before, but I don't know if it made it in. She was the person who validated my decision to go to IPEC and to actually use that training because I was on the fence at that moment about like, is it really worth the investment? So the one thing I will say to anyone who's listening is make sure your coach is trained. Don't let it be the person who just gives great advice because- (laughs) Man, that training, and and I also encourage like anyone who's considering coach training, whether you want to be a coach or not, it really is a um, wow. It's a really powerful experience it that is. can change the way you pr- you process and push through life, regardless of your um, of what your position is, you know, um, professionally. But yes. yeah, so. Awesome. I hope I answered that question, but I'm you here. did persistentjoy.com is, is your website. And then she mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the, um, your handles on social media. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. If you want to check you. Lisa out and I love 
bringing you on here because it makes me mindful that you, when you're coaching, you want to consider the whole person. And this is the reason why we wanted to cover this topic because it's one thing to be laid off and think about the tactical things that you need to do to find another job or figure out what's next for your life. But you also have to process through all of those things that you're feeling. And I, I kind of term that as really considering the whole person, the whole you. It, it, sometimes we think, and I know I think this myself, it's like, oh, I went through this. I can just do steps one, two, and three and move on. And I often forget about, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you just went through this major thing, Angela. <laughs> How do you expect to do that? You know? So, and I think your coaching can really help people to navigate through just the complexity of what certain experiences you experience so that you can move on and do the tactical. So that's what I love about what you brought. Thank you so much for being a guest. Um, I can't wait to have the next conversation. Any final words you have for, for the listeners, Lisa? Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. Um, and I hope that, that whoever's listening gets something out of this and I'm happy to have this conversation. It's just wonderful. It's always wonderful to talk to you. I really always enjoy every conversation I have with you. Um, too. And I think the last, the last thing I would leave, uh, for listeners is, you know, to reinforce what you've actually said is be gracious to yourself, be kind, Mm -hmm. You know, we would never let other people talk to us the way that we talk to ourselves. So true. <laughs> if someone else told me I was fat, I'd be ready to fight them. <laughs> but I sure will stand in the mirror like, oh my God, you're so fat. Excuse me? Right. <laughs> what did you say? Exactly. Then we get into the anger stuff you were talking about earlier. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so just be gracious and and be kind to yourself and you know, if you need to take a knitting class to get through it, do that. Like just, (laughs) you know, do, do what it takes to get that, that feeling of, you know, I'm going to be okay. Yes. You are, you're going to be okay. Nobody, like I said before, nobody captured you in the wild and changed you to that desk. Yes. (laughs) Love it. I I totally agree too. And I'll take that advice myself too, because we talked about that earlier as well. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, Lisa, again, for being my special guest. And uh, until next time, bye everyone.